Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Tom Paycheck, CIO at Inspira Health. In part one, Paycheck talks about how his team was able to quickly pivot to telehealth, despite hesitancy among physicians. The hands-on approach they leveraged to train users on how to use digital tools effectively, and why, when it comes to any big change, he believes the best method is to show, not tell, the benefits. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches, and it all starts with a tiny endpoint software sensor that works with Windows, Linux, Mac, and mobile, deploying fast with no reboots and no blue screens. We protect nearly 200 healthcare organizations with more joining us every day. Find out more about the power of the crowd at crowdstrike.com healthcare. If you could just provide a high-level overview of the organization, uh, you know, what you have in terms of hospitals, where you are, things like that. Sure. We're in Southern New Jersey. We're in five different counties, but three primary counties. Uh, We have three hospitals, 150 plus access points uh, throughout the counties, Uh, 1,300 plus providers, uh, of which somewhere between 150, I'd say, to 200 uh, providers are employed. The rest of them are community, so we're mostly community providers. We have over 200 medical residents now and fellows, uh, one of the largest programs in the area and in the country, I believe, with uh, another 50 more coming by the end of 2023. Uh, And we have about 6,200 plus employees at this point in time. And we cover 1,500 square mile radius in southern New Jersey. So we cover a very large territory down here. Okay. And in terms of the EHR, are all the hospitals on the same they are. system? Yes, we're all using Cerner Millennium. All right, and that's been in place for a little while, right? Since uh, February of 2018, yeah, we've been on uh, enterprise-wide. So it's also the ambulatory practices, our own ambulatory practices. Our urgent cares are also on that as well as the hospitals. Okay. So now, about a year and a half ago, a little wrench got thrown into things. So just wanted to talk about how COVID affected your strategy the most. I mean, obviously, there were so many aspects, but what what would you say was really something that you had to focus on right away? Telehealth. (laughs) Telehealth. We had telehealth. You know, we had an on-demand service with another company. So you could do on-demand telehealth visits. It was not widely adopted. And we used another company because our physicians were not really adopting telehealth themselves into their practices at the time. And so, yeah, this, this made the shift really fast to the point where we had to go to multiple solutions for telehealth because we could not, our vendor that we were using could not handle and add our physicians and educate them fast enough to meet the demands of our patient population. So we wound up using multiple solutions and we still have a couple solutions. We're migrating onto one platform by the end of the year. So that was the biggest thing. Part of telehealth, though, and some of the discussion is really around chronic care management of patients. So we, we had a partnership through our innovation center. We created a partnership with a new company, a startup that was in chronic care management. So they had their own medical devices for patients and a service to monitor patients with chronic care diseases. Um, it came in really handy during COVID because um, yeah. wasn't, yeah, well, it wasn't used as much by the physicians that was slow to be adopted. But when we were at full capacity and we're trying to find beds for patients, 
we were able to actually discharge patients earlier. You know, we were keeping them for like 14, 16, 17 days, but they were getting better after maybe 10 days. But we adopted using these technologies and sending them home with some bedside education to the family member, as well as the uh, verbally via virtual uh, to the family members, but also sending the patient home with some of these devices and monitoring their continued improvement from home. So it allowed us to free up beds for the more critical patients that were waiting to get a bed. So that was really successful. I mean, that really helped us from bursting at the seams back in March, April, May timeframe. So that was really successful. It also helped us and helped the physicians in the community adopt the solution more and start referring more patients into that program for managing their care. Okay. And you brought up something earlier that I don't think I've really heard mentioned too much, and that's about really educating physicians on how to use these systems. I, I think that that's something a lot of organizations struggled with, but how did you uh, approach that and just make sure that they were comfortable using them? Hands-on approach. Really, we have an education department that helps, especially rolling out new technologies and new systems. We ramped that group up with a few more resources. They actually got very creative and did a lot more really short videos to, to get the physician's attention, get them educated very quickly, test understanding. It was really well received. We also used one telehealth product that was really pretty simple to adopt. There wasn't any integration back to the EMR or anything like that, but it was it got the appointment done Stop. quickly through a company called Doximity. And so really, there wasn't a lot of education for that. And uh, honestly, they found that on their own, I'll be honest, and started to spread the word. And it got back to me saying, hey, we're not going to use this or we're not going to use that. This is working for us. And it was really good because the physicians could then just send a link to the patient when it was time for them to meet. And the patient and then the patient just clicked on the link and there was the physician and they had their appointment. Again, from my perspective, we didn't have integrations and then we had to you know, find a way to get the documentation back into the system and those types of things. But um, we were able to care for the patients much, much quickly. Behavioral health right. was another one that exploded, you know, behavioral health services. And that really benefited by patients are much more willing to use telehealth behavioral health patients, much more willing to use telehealth than any other patient population. And so they really took to it. Uh, We used Microsoft Teams. And so they educated the patients on how to use Teams. So the very first time they had that interaction, they spent five or 10 minutes helping them, making sure it was set up properly on their phone or their iPad or whatever device they were using. And then it went very smoothly from that point forward. Physicians weren't willing to take that time out with the patient. To educate the patient on how to use technology, it was hard enough to get the physicians to learn how to use that. So they were not willing to take that time. So the teams didn't really work as well for the physicians to use with their patients, but for behavioral health services, it worked very successfully. Yeah, and that's, I'm sure it's an ongoing challenge. Physicians have limited time with patients and having them get used to a A new platform is never easy, but especially when things are as crazy as they were really during the height of COVID. For sure. And, you know, just getting them set up in their homes to be able to do telehealth. And, you know, I think the other thing that was in that realm is doing telehealth into the acute care facilities because we were running short on PPE supplies and there was just not enough physicians. The physicians were being taxed so much for their time 
that it was hard for them to get in and make rounds timely. So they were starting to resort to telehealth to call in to the bedsides. Uh, and that was something we had never done before, other than ICUs, tele-ICU, that kind of stuff's been around for a long time. But the average patient on a med surge unit never had telehealth capability. Um, so it was new right, for them right. to get used to that. Okay. So it definitely seems like you were headed in a certain direction with digital and you did have an app in place, right? Like patient portal app, but we did. Um, yeah. this really did move it so along quicker. Yeah, that accelerated. I mean, come on, because health crises accelerate adoption of technology. <laughs> you right, know, it, it really does. I mean, that's the way EMR came in. You know, yeah. government mandated the EMRs. All of a sudden, the physicians started using EMRs. They resisted it before that. So it takes some right. kind of, I hate to say, negative event to, to create that motivation to adopt technology. Right. And then as far as the app, my Inspire, that's something that has that's really been a focus as far as making that more usable. And, you know, we're hearing so much about consumer experience now. So I imagine that's been a focus to really make that as user-friendly as possible. Very much so. We had multiple apps to do different things in the very beginning and quickly learned that people aren't going to download multiple apps. It's confusing for them as to what app to download. So we really did consolidate yeah. functionality onto one MyInspira app. The first part of the app, when you first get into it, you don't need to sign on. You can just get in there and you can look up, you can find a physician, you can request an appointment, those types of things without being a patient of the system and having to log in. But when you get into your personal health record, then we need to protect that with security. So you have to log in at that point. So we did that. It wasn't well adopted, but once the biometric yeah. features came out of that, it made it much, much easier to log in and out of that. And so the adoption rate went up considerably. So yeah, we continue to do that. It's helped us with COVID for sure, because as people had to get COVID tested and they were waiting anxiously for the results, can I go back to work? You know, do I have documentation to show my employer, that kind of stuff? You know, people were walking in the hospital, going into the medical records department, looking for their results. Oh, and they didn't know whether they were COVID positive or not. And they're coming in and, yeah. and potentially infecting the, me the medical records department. So right. we quickly adjusted and made sure that the COVID results were getting out there and people were aware that they could get the results through the MyInspira app. So it sends them a yeah. notification that their result is ready. They click on it and it shows them whether they were positive or negative. And then they can, if it's on their phone, they can print it out if they need a piece of paper. Um, so yeah, that's, that was really helped us avoid a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, people coming into the hospital looking for results or uh, even calling yeah. the access center yeah. or calling the physician offices trying to get the results by pushing it out to them. Right, right. And when you think about like features like online scheduling, is that something where it was met with hesitancy by the clinics? Because I can see in some ways there being some hesitation there, but how did that go? That was a true collaboration with our physician offices, because you're right. The mm -hmm. doctors don't particularly want to lose control of their schedule. They know yeah. that when Mrs. Smith typically comes in, they need 10 minutes for her, but Mr. Jones might need 20 because he's a chatter or whatever, or they, he's more complex. Right. So when you do online scheduling, you really have to create templates that are standardized across the whole practice and having a hundred and some odd physicians in the big practice, but whether it's primary care or specialties. 
you know, you got to standardize on that. So you had to get agreement from the physicians on, you know, if it's a well visit, it's going to be this. If it's a flu symptoms or cold symptoms, it's going to be this. Is the PA going to be able to handle that? Is the physician going to handle that? You had to build all that stuff into that system. And we worked very well with Kairos on that. They gave us guidelines on how to do that. They helped us meet with physicians, the marketing mm-hmm. and the physician liaison group met with the practices to really work through that. And it took us a while. We started out with a pilot of about 25 primary care docs that we were working with. And because of COVID and the fact that we needed to get more access to patients, because patients weren't coming in. So that was the other thing. They didn't want to come into the office, so they wanted telehealth as well. So we had to make that available through the app as well to, to be able to schedule a telehealth visit. So we added that capability through Kairos as well. So we had both in-person visits and telehealth visits available for self-scheduling. The patients took to it. Um, It it worked really well. But, you know, we needed those pilot physicians in the beginning between like August and the end of the year. We had, uh, you know, what, what we would consider our pilot groups up. And they saw very positive. It was well-received. The physicians realized it worked fine in their workflow. It was not as intrusive to their workflow as they thought it would be. It actually helped the staff manage the patient flow in the office uh, as they wanted to have less people in the waiting room and all. So they were able to encourage people to do telehealth rather than in-person visits. It, It all worked out really, really well. And our numbers have just continued to get better and better as we went. All the online scheduling appointments, I think we were over 53% of all the appointments that were made via online or new patients as well. So that helped us and from a growth capacity, right. which we need. We need to generate some new revenue and, and get patients into the system. So that's really helped us. I think we've had over 5,300 online bookings since August of last year through the middle of September. Yeah. So the numbers have been really, really strong. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.